The Seattle Kraken extend a key player and their head coach. The Washington Capitals look for a way back into the playoffs. Will Max Pacioretty be ready? And the Arizona Coyotes hope to take the next step toward respectability. We've got all that and a lot more on today's Locked On NHL podcast. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome, everybody, to the Monday edition of the Locked On NHL Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to thank everyone who makes Locked On NHL your first listen every day. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you can get new episodes as soon as they drop. And you can now also hear us on SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just do a search for Locked On NHL. It is great to welcome back to the show a familiar voice and face for Locked On NHL listeners. She is uh, the host of Locked On Kraken and also does our bi-weekly women's hockey spotlight here on Locked On NHL, Erica Ayala. And Erica, how you doing? It's been a busy week for the Kraken. Yes, it sure has been. We um, got a contract extension with our first ever head coach, and we avoided arbitration with Vince Dunn. So we finally got some movement here in the offseason. Let's start with the head coaching extension. I mean, Dave Haxtall took this team further than most experts anticipated they would go in year two. What what are his biggest strengths as a coach that got him and earned him this extension? Definitely building culture. We talk a lot on Locked on Kraken and the, the last episode that we had really breaking down the Dave Haxtall deal. We were talking about um, that he created a culture and you know, he was also very open about when he was hired with the Seattle Kraken and recently with his extension that he's very grateful to have a second opportunity as a head coach in the National Hockey League. And there were a lot of hashtag fire hackstall tweets in season one. But even for, for me, I think it was evident that it was a good foundation that Dave was trying to build. It just maybe wasn't the right pieces at that particular time. And we saw that the Seattle Kraken got busy at the trade deadline, including getting rid of our first ever captain. And that was a financial decision, obviously, but uh, Mark Giordano. um, But then you started to see how the system played would play through. And then leading up to our playoff run, which we have talked about on this show, probably arrived a little bit early um, but that's because there was um, that system and that culture that Dave Haxtell instilled, and that was really permeated through all four forward lines and the defensive pairs. And that is how the Seattle Kraken has been successful, really leaning into the culture, everything by committee. Do you think this extension changes anything about his approach, that he has a little more security? How does this affect the way he goes about things? 
I would imagine that it's similar um, to what Ron Francis said as a general manager who we also extended um, pretty early into our off season. Um, and, and that's another thing, right? Building culture and the continuity that comes with knowing that you we've extended our head coach and our general manager through the 2026 season for both, as I recall, uh, definitely for Dave Haxtell. So I, I think that it's got to be a confidence builder. I think there's also, or there could be some pressure because we know what the Seattle Kraken did last year. And as I just said, probably arrived earlier than expected. And so for me, this third season for the general manager role, for the head coach role, but for the franchise overall is really going to start to show us how deeply rooted that culture, uh, the consistency, the leadership development that's happening with the Seattle Kraken is really going to get tested in season three. Yeah. And now all of a sudden there's real expectations. So uh, exactly. a little pressure there. You mentioned the Dunn extension, uh, obviously great to avoid arbitration. Certain things get said in arbitration hearings that could <laughs> negatively affect the way a player feels about his employer. Uh, what is done mean to the team and, and, and that extension? Well, we've seen like a lot of players for the Seattle Kraken, Will Borgen being one of them, um, who we also were, were able to come to terms with. But um, that players, when they get to Seattle, for the most part, have been able to have career bests. And a part of that comes from that they weren't that number one guy on their last team, whether they came through the expansion draft, whether we picked them up on waivers, like an Ellie Tolvanen is a perfect example. And Vince Dunn fits that. The reason that I think Vince Dunn is a, is a step ahead of even just that and that phenomenon that we've seen with the Seattle Kraken is because he also has leadership. I think he's a little bit more of what I would say is a, a quiet leader, lead by example kind of guy, but he showed that working hard defensively, getting on the same page with your defensive partner, his being Adam Larson, and making sure that you're not sacrificing defense while also playing into the aggressive forechecking style that the Seattle Kraken really accelerated in season two. That was the success and the turning point for Vince Dunn and how he was able to be a more offensive defenseman for us. And so we're hoping that that will continue, but he's also a hard nosed player. He's a grinder. He's going to work really hard and he buys into the cultural aspect of, of the Seattle Kraken organization. So I think that's why he's a great fit for us to extend for four years. That takes us to, I believe he'll be about 30 once that contract is up. And, and so I'm excited to, to see what we can establish with an anchor, no pun intended, <laughs> like Vince Dunn on the blue line. Locked him up for his prime, so that's always uh, good news. Any other moves you anticipate this team trying to make between now and the start of training camp? To be honest, no. Uh, the, the Vince Dunn deal was the one we were looking for there were some conversations on whether the Seattle Kraken wanted to go after an Eric Carlson or even Nylander from um, Toronto, the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I do think the Seattle Kraken are going to have to figure out when is the right time to make those moves. But I, my gut is telling me that's not right now with the Vince Dunn deal. He's got, you know, 7.35 AAV. Uh, last time I checked cap friendly, we, we had about 9 million in cap space. So unless there's some moves to take some of that 
salary off of the books and, and off of the, the payroll, so to speak, not off the books, off the payroll, <laughs> but uh, I don't see the Seattle Kraken making any moves um, before the trade deadline. Talk to me about, you know, this is still a new organization. Talk to me about some of the younger prospects that this team is trying to build its future around who, you know, maybe fans should look at when training camp starts. It's a great question, Gil, because essentially our bottom six got wiped out. Uh, Morgan Geeky, Daniel Sprong, and one of my absolute favorites, Ryan Donato, have signed elsewhere. And they were very impactful players. And a lot of times they were the line. They were that combination line that was really helping keep the offense afloat. So it will be players like Ty Cartier who came up with the Seattle Kraken. He was the rookie of the year in the AHL and really started at the at the top of the year to turn things around in the AHL. So we'll see what he can do. Of course, Shane Wright. We still have to figure out if there will be any exemptions because I believe he's technically one game. He He's um, one game shy of eligibility to, to play in the AHL outright. Uh, but of course, what that means is if we don't get any um you know, exemption that if he does not make the Seattle Kraken roster, then he'd have to go back to junior hockey. So that's not necessarily, we don't want to play that game again with Shane Wright, but he has definitely taken leadership steps between playing with Hockey Canada, being with the Coachella Valley Firebirds who made their run to the Calder Cup finals. So those are two players for sure. I think Riker Evans is another player. And we know that this is going to be a competitive camp for the Seattle Kraken. I didn't mention goaltending, which I almost always mention. So we'll end here. Gil, Joey Decord is another player that we uh, we signed. I believe it was another three years that we have for Joey Decord. He's goaltender, started for the Coachella Valley Firebirds, again, leading them to the finals. But Chris Drieger will be back healthy. He was on assignment at the end of the season with the Coachella Valley Firebirds backstopping Decord. And then, of course, we have Philip Grubauer, who really came into his own with the Seattle Kraken towards the back end of the regular season and, of course, in the playoffs. So across the board, whether it's young talent stepping up or even players like the goaltending position where we have to see, you know, who's going to jockey for spot one and spot two for the Kraken and then how that impacts the Coachella Valley Firebirds. It's going to be a really exciting uh, training camp. I can't wait to get out there to Seattle. Lots of reasons for optimism in Seattle. Erica, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they can find the podcast and where they can find you on social media? Appreciate it. Well, first and foremost, thank you so much, Gil, for having me on the Monday show. And I'll catch you again on Friday. But you can find me at elindsay08. That should be on the bottom of the screen if you're watching on YouTube. And you can, of course, find the Locked on Kraken show everywhere you find Locked on NHL, including on YouTube. Of course, you just swipe out Locked on NHL for Locked on Kraken. And that's where you can find the show. All right, Erica, always a pleasure. Looking forward to speaking with you again on Friday. Sounds great. Thanks, Gil. Today's episode is brought to you by a product I literally use every day, AG1. Maybe you're like me. You want to be healthy and eat well, but it's always easier said than done. That's no longer the case with AG1. With one delicious scoop of AG1 and a glass of water each day, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adoptogens, to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, 
your nervous system, immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all these things. An AG1 costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, but it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and buy free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash NHL Network. That's drinkag1.com slash NHL Network. Check it out. It is great to welcome back to the show the host of Locked On Capitals, Dan Holmey. And Dan, it's been an interesting offseason for the Caps, a, a team that hadn't missed the playoffs in a while, sort of finding themselves out of the postseason running. And their, their big move in the offseason was the signing of Max Pacioretty. But where exactly and when exactly is he going to fit into this lineup? Well, the Capitals were able to get Max Patch ready because of his Achilles issues. He's had the last couple seasons, he's had issues with that. Uh, listen, the Caps were tight against it with a salary cap, uh, only $888,000 and change. Uh, but Max Patch ready six times in his career has scored 30 goals. That is ultimately what they're looking for out of Max Patch ready. Alex Ovechkin carried the bulk of the mail for the Caps as far as goal scoring was concerned last year. Uh, the year before, you saw production from Tom Wilson and Evgeny Kuznetsov. They rounded out the top three goal scorers. That's ultimately what they were looking for. Um, if you watched Free Agency, there weren't a lot of dazzling deals, I guess. I would say a lot of bargain basements type stuff. Max Pacioretty was a good deal. They got him for $2 million plus $2 million more if he meets certain incentives. Uh, I like it. I do have reservations about it. Uh, but what I've told everyone on my podcast is that if he had not had those Achilles issues, the Caps wouldn't have been able to afford him. So uh, that is why they got him. Uh, that and Joel Edmondson were the two bigger moves, I guess you could say. But I'm cautiously optimistic about Max Pacioretty. Uh, if they can get any kind of production somewhat similar to that out of him, uh, that would be a really a great thing. Do you think he'll be ready to start the season on time? Uh, he will not be. We know that 100% for sure. He came out and said as much. Um, worst case scenario, it will be November. Uh, so, I mean, that will give the opportunity, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, about some prospects, uh, their opportunity to shine in his absence. Uh, but I do think that, you know, he will be there for a line share of the season. I'm just kind of keeping my fingers crossed that we can get to Max Patch ready of old and not the guy the last couple seasons that's had those major injuries. Now, you mentioned uh, Patchy Reddy. First of all, where do you think he's going to play once he's ready to come into the lineup? I've heard, you know, like second or third line. Uh, I guess it remains to be seen how the prospects do in training camp, that kind of thing. Uh, but they are just looking for that extra production. I guess it's, I, I can't really look into a crystal ball as of yet because I want to see how everything shakes out. I still believe that Brian McClellan is going to make some big move before the start of the season. I know in order to make a move like that, you're going to have to move a piece out. And I don't want to go too far into the weeds here, but Evgeny Kuznetsov has been a guy that's been on the hot seat along with Anthony Mantha. So I guess that I would be able to give you a more accurate idea closer to the start of the season. But I kind of tend to believe that there is a bigger move up Brian McClellan's sleeve. Uh, I just, I guess I don't know who that's going to be as some of the bigger names like Debrin 
drink it. I'm crossing off my list at home of potential players that they could have been. Uh, but I do think that uh, he will probably figure to be in the second or third line. You mentioned another move. What do you think the Caps are looking to add if they are going to make a hockey trade? They want another uh, big goal scorer. Uh, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, uh, the blue line I think is pretty much solidified. Uh, they got all the big pieces, all the RFAs, the UFAs. They were taking care of the ones that were going to stay here. So that's what they're looking for is another big time goal scorer. And uh, one of the things that I will talk about in tomorrow ep tomorrow's episode of my own podcast is kind of shooting for the stars. What kind of difference would a Nylander make for the Capitals? Huge. Um, because, you know, the, where the Capitals are poised right now, um, I'm not feeling too optimistic. I know there was a coaching change and sometimes you can get a bigger result out of that. But I think they need to make a huge change similar to like a Neeland or something like that in order to get a bigger result. The tough part, however, is in order to land someone like Neelander, like I alluded to earlier there, they only have $888,000 in cap space. They're going to have to move someone out. And what is that big piece that they're going to have to trade to get someone like a Nylander? A lot of the people, the, the players on the team are diminished good. Nick Backstrom five years ago would have been a good deal. TJ Oshie, everyone else can see the back of their hockey card. They know they're injury prone. That is where the whole Tom Wilson thing came in that, you know, wouldn't that be crazy? Uh, on my podcast, everyone's like, well, Tom Wilson, they're never going to trade a guy like that, but he retains a tremendous value. So uh, I think that ultimately uh, that's what it's going to be is they're going to make a big acquisition between now and the start of the season. It's just intriguing for me to think who that will ultimately be. Well, it's going to be certainly interesting to see. And, and, you know, with the cap so tight, there's not a lot of teams that have a lot of room to maneuver. Uh, I mean, I'm, let's see what the Capitals organization can do. Talk to me about some of the younger players we alluded to earlier who, before Max Pacioretty, for example, is ready to return, will probably get a shot at being in the lineup regularly. So that's the thing, too. Connor McMichael, it's always been the year for Connor McMichael. Not next year, no, next year. And then when he does get his big opportunity, uh, he ends up playing the wing. His native position is the center position. That is where he really excels. And the last couple seasons, he's been relegated to the fourth line, like left wing. That's not where he's going to excel. Next season has got to be the season that the Capitals are all in on Connor McMichael, a player that we've heard about for years. The interesting problem, however, is where does he fit up? Where does he fit? Who comes out of the lineup for him to go in? The, the thing that is going to be a game changer this next year is Spencer Carberry. He has that history being that he was a coach for the Stingrays, the Hershey Bears. He knows Connor McMichael. He can take the face off the clock and look at the gears and know what kind of player he is. Um, also, Hendrix LaPierre, uh, a bit of a bumpier ride for him last year, uh, but I do think that uh, the arrow's pointing up for him as well, uh, not to mention Vincent Iorio, a really great blue liner. A lot of these players are most likely going to be a couple years out, uh, but for me, Connor McMichael, he's the guy to circle. This is his make or break season. That is my belief on him. And uh, not to mention the bigger um, uh, things that were done at the draft, you know. So I think that, uh, you know, I don't know what kind of result the Capitals are going to get this next season. But if you can look to the horizon a little bit, I think this team is going to be one to be reckoned with in the Metro Division. All right. Well, it should be interesting to see how it all plays out. 
Dan, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter. It's at DanCaps218. You can find the show on Twitter. It's at Locked on, uh, Locked on Caps. And of course, we're available on YouTube and the SiriusXM app and wherever you find your podcasts. Dan, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. It is great to welcome back to the show the co-host of Locked On Coyotes, Robin Leano. And Robin, it's uh, a busy offseason in Arizona. Let, let's start with the, the big picture stuff. What is the latest on the arena situation out in the desert? So we haven't heard much since the draft. Um, the draft was the last thing we heard. Any sort of like, at least, I would even say substantial, but like some kind of information um, we heard uh, Coyote president and CEO Javier Gutierrez speak to the media at the draft and said uh, we are currently um, in talks of about like six or so sites, um, mainly in uh, in Scottsdale, in Mesa, in uh, and in Phoenix, I think, and, and as well as I think Chandler, if I'm not mistaken, There's, you know, all, all all like in the you know the east side of the uh, of the Phoenix Valley. Um, one of the rumored sites, and this is, this was not confirmed, but it was it actually, it's been confirmed by, not by the coyotes, but by the, uh, by the reservation, uh, on, uh, exclusive talks on, uh, a potential piece of land, um, on their, on, on their land on the East Valley as well. So like there are options, um, but there are, there's nothing substantial. They do have a soft deadline for themselves to get a final deal in place. And that's by around January of, uh, of 24. Um, that's when they want to make sure they have as many things in place as possible to to move forward. But uh, other than that, nothing really like substantial to to really report on. And then just to give us an idea, let's say they have their choices, you know, lined up by January 2024. Will there be another vote necessary? What what is the process? Where does it go from there? Yeah, so the the Arizona Coyotes um, have made it clear that they do not want to go through a public vote again. So they were going to be going through every means necessary to do that. Um, that is one of the reasons why the um, the Indian community is uh, one of the options that they are currently in exclusive talks with, because that will require zero vote at all. Um, they are, you know, other sites include, you know county islands and other privately owned um pieces parcels of land that uh will require no votes because it's 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 just requires just a private land sale um so they're just doing their best to make to uh make sure it doesn't go to that because they've seen what happens if that does happen well let's hope that they are able to line up a a new site and a new home soon to to sort of finalize this and and put it to bed as far as the offseason is concerned on the ice, what moves do you think were the best that the team has made since the offseason started? Oh, I think the uh, the Arizona Coyotes, that first day of free agency, yeah. like, I, made a, I made a comment saying if there's a winner in the first day of free agency, it's the Arizona Coyotes. Um, I think the uh, – the couple of the players I'm thinking of um, getting um, getting uh, Zucker um, signed as uh, I'm trying to think 
some of the other ones yet. Getting uh, Nick Bustag back, getting Troy Stetcher back. Uh, they really, really went for it, and I'm and it really tells me that they are trying to move towards being a more competitive team. Are they going to be even close? Are they going to be a bubble team or a playoff team? No, but they're going to be a lot more competitive than they were in the last couple of years. I do not think we are now officially past the tanking years for the re- part of the rebuild players and the coyotes. They are now on the like slightly bit like, you know, they're ready to kind of just like bump up and emerge just a little bit. Well, that, that's definitely a positive sign. I mean, I know there's been a lot of draft picks also over the last couple of years. Who are some of the young people in the pipeline right now for the Coyotes that give this organization hope that they will compete soon for a playoff spot? Yeah, you know, I actually got a chance to go to the uh, prospect development camp a couple weeks ago. And um, we got a chance to get a decent look at some of the top prospects like Logan Cooley and Sam Lipkin. Um, those two, I think, are the ones that are really um, um, p- getting a really extra attention. Those two players um, participated in the in, in the NCAA championship a few months ago, so like people already know their names. Um, it's it's outside of that. I think you know Maverick Lamaru has kind of uh, flown under the radar. I think he's really improved um, after having to miss the uh, the previous prospect development camp. I really liked seeing. You know, I really think he's a potential to, uh, you know, to make it up there. Um, and I, I really think though the uh, Julian Lutz and Meek, uh, yeah, Julian Lutz. I want to say like he was a, a later round pick in the, um, not this last draft, but the previous draft. Um, and he's looked great. He looked great at, at camp. And I really gotta say he's got a great shot. I think uh, you know fans should be excited to see him. It's going to take a couple of years still, but I think they should be excited to see him down the road. And as far as the rest of this offseason, do you anticipate any more moves, or is this more or less where we're going to be when training camp opens up? I, th- I think uh, for the most part, that is where like they're pretty set in stone. I think they still have about one player left. They do need to sign that uh, was based off their RFAs um, or a couple. Yeah, just a couple. I think they still need to sign Jack McBain. Um, I think that's one of that's the most important thing. Um, Jack McBain requested uh, arbitration um, from his uh, RFA rights. And so we'll have to wait and see what that what comes out of that. But I think that is the just that's the only holdout that they were really focusing on making sure they get done. Uh, McBain was impressive last year, so I really think that they are going to try to do what they can to uh, to keep him. And what position on this team do you think will take the biggest jump between last year's unit and this year's? You know, I think I really think the defense is going to take a big jump. Um, last like the last couple years, the defense were. It's not good. It was not good at all. Um, yeah, they had Jacob Chickren for the majority of the year, but even then, he was already on his way out, so they sat him for, for so many games at the time. Um, but, you know, picking up, um, bringing back Troy Stetcher again, like I mentioned earlier, I think that was huge. Uh, bringing in a player like like uh, Sean Dursey, um, what I think was absolutely huge. J.J. Mosier and, and Yusuf Alamaki were, you know, two returning names. I think they are going to make a huge impact next, in this next season. They were great last season. They were absolutely amazing. 
So we'll see what they do this upcoming year. Um, but I'm, I'm pretty hopeful that they're going to make a big step. All right. Well, Robin, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they can find the podcast and where they can find you on social media? Yeah, you can you can find the podcast everywhere you get your podcast. Uh, we're, you know, we're also now on the uh, the Sirius XM radio app. Um, you can follow me on social media at Robin underscore Leonio. And the uh, the podcast is at L.O. underscore Coyotes. All right, Robin, thank you so much for joining us today. Always a pleasure talking hockey with you. Of course. All right. I want to thank my guests. I want to thank Erica Ayala of Locked On Kraken, Dan Holmey of Locked On Capitals, and Robin Leano of Locked On Coyotes for joining me today. Also want to thank everyone for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. Every day is every day, Monday through Friday. We have the biggest stories from around the NHL right here on Locked On NHL. I'm Gil Martin. I host the Monday edition of Locked On NHL, and I co-host the Friday edition along with Rachel Donner. Have a great day, everybody, and thank you so much for listening and watching the Locked On NHL podcast.